0: The Lifestylist, episode 170, featuring Luke Story. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Okay guys, I'm about to let one of my best kept secrets out of the bag. That's right, it's not gonna be a secret anymore. I'm talking about Tonic Wellness Boutique. It's located in central LA, a few blocks from the Beverly Center and The Grove. Tonic Wellness Boutique offers a combination of hot and cold relaxation therapies. Now you see me talking about this stuff all the time. You know what I'm talking about cryotherapy, the saunas, the whole deal, all proven to simultaneously revitalize and rest the body, improve blood circulation, and help activate the lymphatic system to help detoxification. Now, if you live in a city like LA or you're just traveling to a city like LA, dude, you gotta detox, for real. These methods also help to reduce inflammation and improve skin tone while actively promoting the release of endorphins. those are your happy hormones. That's why things like cryotherapy and infrared saunas feel so good. They've also got something called cryoskin which I recently did a round of and uh, it's pretty badass. It pretty much melts fat off any part of your body. So a lot of actresses and stuff go in there, you know it's confidential. I wish I could tell you who they were, but they're people you've heard of. And models as well. Go in there and get like the fat under their chin or on the back of their arms. I just did straight up my belly and I'm seeing great results from it. It was pretty amazing and it was a lot easier than working out really hard. So they have the saunas, the cryotherapy, the cryo skin, and then they have something called pressotherapy, which uh, will help you look better, feel better and function better. They have all the latest biohacking stuff over there. So go to tonicboutique.com to learn more They're really cool people. Posetta, the owner, is just a fantastic person. They're super friendly and knowledgeable. And it's a great place to go, not only to feel good, but to look good. It's very Hollywood-centric. It's a very high vibe, well-designed environment. They have, of course, the clear light saunas, which are the best saunas in the world. Otherwise, I wouldn't even probably go in the saunas they have there because most of them are really high EMF and super whack. So these guys are doing it right. It's a one-stop shop. So go to tonicboutique.com to learn more. If you live in LA, you should just be there at least once a week or once a month. If you're visiting LA, I would straight up land at LAX, go to Tonic Boutique, and then continue the rest of your trip. tonicboutique.com. Welcome one and welcome all. This is a special bootleg broadcast edition of the Lifestylist Podcast recorded at OsteoStrong in West LA. You're here today, ladies and gentlemen, to celebrate my birthday with me. Today is the birthday show, dropping this thing on October 29th. I was born in Denver on that day in 1970. Wow, long time ago. 48 short years ago at 7.16 a.m as a uh, rising sign and star sign in Scorpio with a moon in Libra. Came into the world kicking and screaming and uh, kind of been doing it ever since. <laughs> my mom always said, thank God for that moon in Libra. Her and, her, and uh, her mother, my grandmother, were terrified because I was supposed to be born a little bit later, or early, whatever the case was. And I was about to be a triple Scorpio. Now, I don't know that much about astrology, but from what I understand, I would have been a real hellion had that happened. And I was definitely a handful for the first 25 years of my life and slowly settling down. So I just want to thank you for uh, joining me on this very special episode. I'd also like to invite you to an event I'll be doing in LA. It's uh, with Neil Strauss and his group, The Society. I'll be doing a biohacking intensive where I'll have a pop-up of my biohacking lounge, December 14th and 16th. So if you want to come hang out, hear a talk, hear a bunch of amazing speakers and get to try out all of the biohacking technology that I talk about and post about all the time. You can join me there. If you want to come to any of my events, super easy to do. All you do is go to lukestory.com forward slash events. All right, check it out. Tomorrow, we've got our regular Tuesday episode, and this is Relationship Mastery, Sex, Love, and Success with Melissa Ambrosini and Nick Broadhurst, who are a couple, a lovely couple. They seem very happy, very successful. So I was obsessed with sitting down with them and asking them how they make it work. And like any couple, they have their ups and downs. I mean, you know, it's not a Shangri-La utopian situation here, but goddamn, they seem like they have a pretty productive, healthy relationship. And I would really love to have one of those myself someday. So uh, again, like so many of these shows, it was a very um, personal uh, episode for me because I'm asking them questions that I really want to know the answers to for my own life. Uh, and also just how they integrate running a business together. It's a very fascinating conversation. They were uh, kind enough to be very open and vulnerable. Um, it was a intimate, but still very lighthearted and fun show. So make sure to catch that tomorrow. That's number 171. That's our regular Tuesday show. And then, uh, and then next week, the following Tuesday, which would be November 6th, 2018, we've got Sleep or Die, Becoming the Best at Hardcore Rest. I made that up myself. See the, see what I did there? Uh, with Harpreet Singh Rai from the Aura Ring, another thing like the Juve device that we did uh, last week. This ring I'm obsessed with too. I've been using it for, I don't know, maybe a year to track my sleep and various things like that. And people always ask me, what's up with that thing? How does it work? So I got the CEO on deck and we talked about it. So make sure that you subscribe to this podcast, folks, so that you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. And speaking of subscribe, I'm going to keep pushing this because uh, it just needs to be done because so many people ask me questions that could be answered in my weekly newsletter with all of the show notes from every single podcast. If you want me to send you all of the live links and all of the details from every episode, all you have to do is join my newsletter and you can easily do that just by texting me. That's right. It's amazing, this technology. Text the word lifestylist, that's all one word, to the number 44222. So the number you're going to text, sounds weird, but this is the number, no area code or any of that weirdness. It's just 44222 and the body of the text is going to have one word, all lowercase, lifestylist. If you don't have a United States-based phone, then just go to Lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. It's magical. Okay, before I jump into the episode, I'm going to tell you what that's all about, but uh well, you know what? No, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to jump right in. So as I said, today October 29th is my 40th birthday. Uh this has been one of the best years of my life. I mean, honestly, it, I I sometimes I I can't believe how good my life keeps getting. You know, you're supposed to get older and kind of become grouchy and struggle, I think. <laughs> Some people do, but I don't know for me, man, I just I give less Fs all the time. I have amazing beautiful people in my life. I do what I love for a living. Um, both my businesses are are successful and fulfilling. Um I don't know, man. It's just I mean, there's you know, there's always stuff to work on. I have a lot still that that I haven't manifested like um, owning a home and moving somewhere that's got more trees and less people and stuff like that. So, you know, it's a work in progress, but I've got to say, I've just grown so much and I've learned so much in this particular year. Um, you know, last year was pretty freaking rough. It was one of, one of the years where it was like the painful growth this year has been kind of excited, wide eyed, curious growth more so than like, wow, I just got beat down and now I've got to crawl my way back to, um, some semblance of sanity. Which is kind of what 47 was, but, uh, or wait, no, 46. 47 has been very kind to me, and I'm sure that 48 will be too. So, that said, I want to express my deepest, most sincere gratitude to each and every one of you lifestylist podcast listeners. And I'm not just saying that, it's hard to say it and like express to you without you seeing my face right now and being in a room with me how much I really mean that. But, uh, you know, all of you people that come, talk to me at my events and send me emails and messages on social media, uh, I'm making a difference. You know, I'm making my own little splash in the deep end of the pool here. And, um, you know, I know there are more profound things happening in the world, but for me, just to have a life where I can impact a few thousand people every week uh, and that number's growing is just very meaningful, especially due to the fact that for the first half of my life, I would say that i generally had a mostly negative impact on people's lives. You know, I mean, luckily my life was very small and confined. So I don't think I reached that many people, but the ones I did were fellow sufferers and we all kind of just went down in flames together for the most part in many respects. So I'm just happy to be living my dream, sharing so many profound moments with my brilliant guests, the people that I'm fortunate enough to sit down and talk to is just I'm just in awe half the time in the middle of these conversations that I'm recording and making a podcast, but I'm sitting there going, oh my God, this is my life. These are the people that I would just die to talk to even if there was no such thing as a podcast, just to sit down with some of these inspiring, brilliant people. It's just fantastic. So Uh, there's my gratitude on, on my 40th birthday that you get to share with me. Um, although I'm sure a lot of people are going to hear this someday, like in 2022 and they're going to go, wait, what? But for whatever, if you're listening to this on release day, happy birthday to me, um, and um, I do have one birthday request. You know, if you if you'd like to do something to uh, wish me a happy birthday, or just support the show in general, I do have a goal this year of 2018, and that goal is to reach two million downloads for this podcast by the end of the year. You know, in the podcasting world, your success in terms of how other people perceive you. On a professional level, and when it comes to growing your show and sponsorship and getting guests and all of those types of things, uh, the number of downloads is kind of the deal. That's your deal. It's sort of like if you have a blog or something, how many website hits are you getting on YouTube? It's sort of how many subscribers you have or so many views. Well, in the world of podcasting, just to let you in on a little inside baseball, it's all about the number of downloads you have. So. I'm very pleased to be creeping up on 2 million as I record this. I think I'm about 1.8 right now. And when I tell some people that, they're like, oh my God, you're almost at 2 million downloads in two years. That's so good. You're crushing it. That's insane. But then I look at the top five or top 10 podcasts kind of in my genre and they're getting like 2 million a month. So try not to compare myself to other people, but I also have very high standards for myself. And I am kind of competitive with myself, not with those other people because we're unique and we do something different. Um, I've also avoided some of the scams that some people use to get a lot of downloads. I don't want to go into it because then I would be directly implicating some of the top podcasts that do get a lot of downloads, but there's things you can do to kind of beat the algorithms and game the system so that you can claim, oh, I have X amount of downloads. But Mm, you know, it's just one strategy. And who knows, maybe someday I'll do that shit. (laughs) But for right now, I'm just going, even Steven, the real deal, you know, one person at a time, one human at a time. So I want to hit 2 million. Uh, It's just an arbitrary number. Sounds good. Sounds feasible. Um, I'm hoping by next year, uh, by the end of 2019, that I'll hit 10 million. That's my goal. So I really need to ramp it up. And there's only so much I can do. My commitment to you is just to keep producing really high quality shows to the best of my ability, making sure the guests are on point, the sound is on point, uh, that the show's professional, that the music's good, that the editing's good, that the graphic design, the website, the newsletter, the social media accounts, all of that stuff is of highest uh, possible quality. And that's really I c- all I can do. I don't, I don't have a budget to advertise and things like that. So it's really just word of mouth. So what I'm asking of you, my friend, right now, I settle that to that long ask of uh, of thanks and then an ask back is to just tell you it's really easy now on the podcast apps to share individual episodes. So if you hear this episode or any past one that you've enjoyed or any future one that you will download uh, in the days to come, if you could just click on the bottom right hand side of the podcast where it says share, you'll see that come up in your menu and you can either just directly email it to someone you can text it to someone or you can copy the link. It would be super helpful if as you listen to these shows, you just take literally two seconds and just pause it and go, wow, this is cool. Let me think of someone who might enjoy this and just send it to two or three friends and ask them, hey, if you like this, pass it on. I'm trying to support this guy's work. And uh, it would mean so much to me. And some of you post uh, the show to Instagram and Facebook, which is, of course, also very much appreciated. So anything you can do just to spread the love and and keep this message of, of hope and healing that I'm putting out in the world with these guests, um, it would be just fantastic. So no pressure, do it right now. Just kidding. Not kidding, please help me grow the show. It would It would mean a lot. It's been fun to kind of watch it take off. But as I said, I have really, really high hopes for this thing. So I think I have a kind of something unique that I'm doing here uh, in the world of podcasting and I want to continue to refine my skills and get bigger and better more interesting in even obscure guests. When I say bigger guests, I just mean bigger in terms of their uh, expertise, not necessarily that they're famous, but I do have some big names on my list too, and if I can email them and say, hey, I have 10 million downloads, it's um, much more attention-grabbing than to say I have 1.5 or whatever. So there you go. So on to the show. As I said, this is a bootleg broadcast. When you see a Lifestylist podcast, and in the title it says bootleg broadcast, that usually means that it's a live, unedited recording of a talk that I've done at one of my events. Every once in a while, it's an interview with someone else that's live, but most of them are just yours truly, rocking the mic in all my solo glory. So this particular one I did at OsteoStrong in West LA, which is one of my top biohacking hotspots. If you haven't been in there, it's a must. Amazing technology they have over there. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'll be doing a show soon with their founder and uh, you can stay tuned for that. We're going to talk all about that technology. And also just keep in mind with the bootleg broadcast that the sound quality is going to be not, you know, to to the standards that it is when I do my regular studio recordings, hence me calling them a bootleg broadcast. Back in the day, you could go see a band and like, you would stuff a little recorder in your boot. And that's why it was called a bootleg. For those of you youngsters that don't know what that means, but you know, you go see the Grateful Dead or some rock band or something, and you make a bootleg. Led Zeppelin, you know, when I was a kid, there was all these records that you'd never seen before. You find it in a record store and you'd be like, what? I never saw that record. Oh, it's a bootleg. It's a live recording. And the bootlegs always sounded crappy compared to the other studio recordings or even, you know, the officially recorded and released uh, live recordings. So bootleg broadcasts, you know, they are what they are. They're, They're realness. So, um, being a perfectionist with the sound, I just want to warn you that sometimes, you know, it's not as good as the other ones. All right. And this was a strong talk number one. It was the first in a series over at OsteoStrong. And uh, they called it the power of the brain on our bodies uh, how what we think, do, and feel directly affects our physical state. And while I'm really into physical health and healing and biohacking and all of that, Uh, You may have figured out if you listen to the show for a while, the aspect of life that I'm really most passionate about is spirituality. And that's what I talk about in this particular episode. So I'm sharing the most, the primary uh, universal laws that have completely transformed my life for the better in hopes that anyone out there who's suffering like I used to might be able to find the freedom I'm experiencing more and more every day. So in this particular episode, I talk about how I discovered my passion for health and my soul's mission, the many benefits and the different names for box breathing. And then we do a live breathing exercise, which by the way, don't do that if you're driving. Then learning how to be unapologetic about your relationship with a higher power or that ineffable force greater than us that we uh, mostly refer to as God. Then recontextualizing and reframing every experience in your life as love. How you can get in greater alignment with universal truth, my personal meditation practice, what you can do to master your mind, and why surrender is the most powerful principle in my life. And then a little bit on the physical stuff, a little on the basics of getting in alignment with nature. Toward the end of the talk, I talk about the value of sunning safely, sunning often, and getting the sun on as much of your naked body as possible, and why that's good for you and not dangerous. And I talk about why I love spring water and how you can uh, best filter the water in your home if that's the only option you have. The dangers of artificial light and how you can turn your bed into a Faraday cage to protect yourself from EMFs while you sleep, which is a project I'm currently working on right now. So there you go, ladies and gents. Thank you for joining me on my birthday episode of this live bootleg broadcast from Osteo Strong in Los Angeles. Enjoy the show. Yeah, thank you. No, thanks. Yeah, it's funny. I'm a, I'm a one-man operation. People always, you know, that watch the social media posts and listen to the podcast, always like, wow, how do you do all that stuff? I'm like, I have no idea. It's a lot, it's a lot of stuff, um, But I always think if you're going to do one thing one time, why not make it ten things? You know what I mean? And that's uh, why I always drag around all of this technology. So um, thank you, Sarah, for the introduction. Where'd you go? There you are. That means I need glasses. When all the faces look like Sarah. There's only one Sarah. Great. There she is. All right. Thank you so much for having me. And just a quick shameless plug for this place, too. I mean, I'm just grateful to be here and grateful to be anywhere, frankly, at this age. But I'm happy to be here because this has been one of the most profound health hacks that i found in a while. And I've been at this about 22 years. And so I found out about OsteoStrong from Tony Robbins. I was at a Tony Robbins event. I finally drank the Kool-Aid and went up to San Jose to one of his events. And, you know, he does these pitches for different lifestyle practices and things like that, many of which I was already a practitioner of, but he talked about this osteo strong thing and then they had a booth out in the hallway and stuff that kind of the tech hall place, right? I walked by, I didn't really get a chance to check it out, but it intrigued me because I'd never heard of it, A, because he endorsed it, B, and I know that bone density is a really important foundational piece to health and there's not a lot that does that. Uh, I have a rebounder at home. It's, um, it's a, called a um, Bellicon Rebounder, really nice, like, high-end rebounder. And I think if you jump on that for 20 years, you'll build, like, you know, 1% bone density or something. I mean, but, So that's all I really knew. I was like, wow, I bet this is faster. And so uh, fast forward, I come back to L.A. A couple weeks later, I'm at an event speaking where I presented this, well, I spoke on a panel, or uh, what do you call that, moderated a panel And then I set up this whole biohacking lounge where I brought all of my equipment from home and I set up this really neat area where people could come in and try all of the devices and stuff. And I turn on my Juve red light panel, which is a really obnoxious, bright red light, and shine over. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm probably bumming out my neighbors in the next booth. And it was these guys from OsteoStrong. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I got to turn the light on. I mean, it's part of my show, you know. And then I think it was Sarah. She was like, are you going to have that on the whole time? <laughs> and no, 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 I get it. I get it. I'll turn it off, you know, during the breaks or whatever. So um, so that's how I met. But it was one of those fortuitous moments. And I'm, I'm one. And what I'm going to be talking about tonight has a lot to do with intuition and getting in touch with one's higher self and accessing that higher wisdom that we all uh, have the capacity of, being motivated by and being guided by. And so in my life, I really pay attention when there's synchronicity and when things appear on multiple occasions. And that's all it took was two of those for me. And then one way or another, I think we maybe met through the girls from Witma or something like that. And there was a, an invite to come here and check it out. So I did. And I just would like to encourage any of you that aren't already a member here or haven't tried this technology. I don't ever talk about anything unless it's super legit, I literally have been into health since I was 26 years old. It's been 22 years. I've seen every fad there is, pretty much come and go. I've tried just about everything you can imagine, from injecting myself with poisonous frog venom to getting stem cells injected in my penis. I mean, I've done you talk about like anything, any lengths to like feel good, you know? Uh, and what I've noticed about this particular technology, and I get nothing out of this pitch. That's why you know it's hard when you promote something that you're affiliated with, but uh, I get nothing out of it other than maybe a free session or something. But what I noticed after doing this is I didn't do any bone density testing or anything like that medically. But what I noticed is after about four or five visits is when I would do other forms of exercise, just doing push-ups, pull-ups, lifting weights, just basic body weight, strength training, things like that, I was exponentially stronger after a few visits. And it took a minute for it to connect in my mind. I thought, I don't know, I must have... First couple of times I thought... I must have gotten great sleep last night. And so I'm just, I'm plugged in. I got the chi. And I thought that a couple times. And I was like, this is weird. I can hold like a one-arm plank forever. I'm just bored. Like, just sitting here holding it forever, just not common. And then I made the connection. Oh, man, I'm literally getting stronger from the inside out. So it's been a really, really cool hack. And something that I also like about it is that, They've integrated into the protocol is vibration before, which I have one of those vibe plates at home. It's amazing. You vibrate before, then you do the training thing, which is super quick, then vibrate again. And then when when these seats aren't here, they have these PEMF beds that just make you feel super fantastic. And it's a great little recovery session afterward. And then you listen to binaural beats, you put on the crazy laser show iPad thing, and it's just I honestly, this is one of the most um, high vibe routines that I do. And every time I come here, I'm super happy all day long. I don't know if it's the hormones from the bone thing or that. I don't know. I don't care what it is. I just know they've discovered a, a really nice little secret sauce of a formula here. So that's my shout out to those guys. But I'm really excited about this technology, so having said that, it's great to be here in a room that's really been useful to me, and so uh, welcome. Now, how many of you, and don't feel bad if you haven't, because zillions of people in the world haven't, but how many of you guys have listened to my podcast, The Lifestylist, before? i just like to know so I kind of know the point of relevance. Okay, so about 50%. I spoke at an event last night, and it was about that too, so I'll just give some information on that. As Sarah said, I worked in the fashion industry and entertainment industry for many years, for 17 years. Uh, All the while, I had this double life of really working on myself physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, every way to improve. So I was very unhappy and unhealthy in my early life. But I'm here working in the Hollywood machine, right? And it was a good living, it was creative, it was fun. But ultimately, not my true calling. Uh, it took me 17 years to figure that out, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, whatever, it was a gig. But I was doing meditation. I was going to India. I was really more interested in the inner journey than finding the best shoes at Barney's. But that was my job, and so I did it, and I did, did as best as I could. Um, but I've really always been about getting the physical body primed up and strong, doing modalities like this so that my mission, my soul's mission, my heart's mission of being of service in the world and um, sharing spiritual experiences with people and growing spiritually can be accomplished. So I was doing that in every waking hour that I wasn't kind of playing the game of the Hollywood thing. Hey, Kara, we were just talking about Whitma. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah. Kara made the introduction to Sarah. Kara and Sarah, there they are. <laughs> so I'm off doing this on the side, and then at some point, you know, I have to give credit to a couple people. There were a couple people that I really respected in the health industry, uh, and one a friend of mine who's also an author who's very much into personal development. And I was invited to do a talk about three years ago with a lot of people that I really respect. And I, I thought I was going to be kind of the opening act, and they ended up putting me on kind of on the Friday night of this weekend conference and. The reception was just overwhelming even to me and all the limiting thoughts and ideas I had about myself and my ability to pivot careers at 40 what was I then 45 and you know I got such overwhelming feedback and also just the people that I respected said dude you should be doing this you're in the wrong industry what are you doing this is what you care about and it was a profound few months there where I started actually contemplating making the transition and so the transition for me involved having to have something that I could do. Is you, you, you have to, in order to go speak somewhere, or to have some sort of a presence or a brand, so to speak, in a particular niche industry such as health and wellness, you have to kind of have something to hang your hat on. And so that's why I started a podcast, because I figured that was the, the avenue of content that I could be most consistent in. And as you'll find over the next uh, few minutes here, I can talk a lot, so for better or for worse, hopefully for better. I I just did four hours of podcasting on my way over here and then talked to someone, a friend of mine, on the phone all the way here, so I was given the gift of gab. But I started this podcast not really knowing if it was going to fly, how it would be received. I was able to get some great guests, some of my heroes, very early on. The show gained traction quickly. I found that people responded to my approach to spirituality and to the more, you know, the esoteric spiritual realm, metaphysics, but also to the geeky, sciencey, biohacking, you know, deep dive nerd health stuff because I seem to have the ability to take the esoteric and bring it down to earth in a way that's practical, take the really geeky deep science stuff, translate that into common parlance so that your average person can take something like that and apply it to their life. And so as I started to do the podcast, I said, man, I'm really having an impact on people's lives. And at first I thought it was just because the guests that I was having on were so wise and had so much knowledge what happened was over the course of uh, the first year or so, people started to uh, indicate to me that I had uh, perhaps some experience and knowledge in these areas as well and that I might be interested in sharing them. So I started to be asked uh, as a guest myself on many other podcasts and asked to do speaking engagements such as this. And it's something that's kind of continuing to flourish. And now I'm finding my own voice. And this year, my own personal mission is to really embrace that and stop you know, hiding from uh, the passion that I have, even to share what I've found from my perspective—not just that of my guests—and so uh, it's with that that I am deeply appreciative that you guys are here and that that um, Sarah and the team here asked me to come because this is this is my um, you know my heart's desire is to be able to take some of the experiences I've had in life that have been transformative and and help to transmit them to other people and that they might share in some of those experiences themselves. So that's what we're doing here. Now that we've sort of set the stage and those of you that didn't know who I am know who I am and what my intent is here tonight, I'd like to start out just doing a very simple breathing exercise to kind of reset the energy in the room and to get us all landed here in the space after having uh, traversed L.A. traffic from where we came from to get here, and even just for my own benefit, having come off the heels of a lot of other sort of um, media creation and talking today. So there's a number of different breathwork routines that I've picked up over the years from various sources, uh, many of which from the yogic tradition, specifically kundalini yoga. But the one we're going to do tonight is, uh, has a couple different names, depending on what tradition is claiming rights to it. Uh, I call it box breathing, but I was doing uh, this in a uh, Hatha yoga class 15 years ago, and they had some other name for it Kapula Bhatti, boom ba dinga boom, something like that. Oh, I'll never remember it. And then I learned it from someone else. I was like, I've done that. That's the alternate nostril, kum yoga. And they're like, no, this is called um, box breathing because it's, it's a square, because every breath in is the same. Well, you'll see why it's called a box, it's equal on all sides. And then I did some some urban escape and evasion training where they do things like handcuff you in the back of a car and teach you how to break out of it, um, teach you how to break out of zip ties, waterboard you, taser you, teach you how to shoot guns, uh, pick locks, break into houses, break into cars, all this kind of stuff. It was pretty cool. And um, one of the things they teach you when you're getting tasered or waterboarded, well, actually not waterboarded because you can't really breathe. But when you're being tasered is they teach you something called combat breath. I was like, combat breath? They're like, yeah, this is used in the military. And so they proceeded to show me box breathing, going back to Hatha yoga, alternate nostril breathing. And it turns out in the military, this is used to keep your nervous system calm in the heat of battle or when you've been captured and you're being interrogated or whatever is bringing an immense amount of stress to your nervous system. So... It's funny how these things travel through different circles and different teachings, but uh, as any true principle in the universe is that I've discovered, it doesn't matter you know, what knowledge base it comes from, if it's a principle, inherently that means that it's true. It's a universal truth that works no matter who applies it, no matter when they apply it, as long as they do apply it. So uh, a lot of the things that I'll be covering tonight are just universal principles that I've Picked up in the ethers and my travels, and uh, anything that I do that that works, I just I stick with it. And this particular breath will work if you're being tasered or interrogated or just sitting in a yoga class wanting to chill out. So it goes a little something like this. And well, you don't have to do it with the alternate uh, nostril breathing, but I find it to be more effective. And there there is definitely a centering. a centering benefit to the mind, and even I would say so far as a cognitive benefit when you when you incorporate the nostril breathing, but just know you don't have to do that uh, sometimes it looks a little weird if you're in the DMV like doing all this kind of stuff, <laughs> so you can just do it with the breath, so it goes like this: we're going to inhale well, I usually just use like thumb on one side of the nostril and then ring finger on the other side. It's really cool because it makes your voice sound like this too. Uh, But I'll just inhale. Uh, Some people use a count. You know, in the combat breath, you'd use a count. It just depends how fast you go. It could be five. It could be ten. Usually it's about a a count to five, I would say. But then I started, I heard from someone else. And this is, I guess all my stuff is stolen from somewhere, basically, is what I'm admitting to. Uh, Another uh, person I heard talking about, not this, but just taking a few deep breaths, uses a word, and they use the word release, release, release. And I thought, why am I counting? Counting doesn't have any inherent spiritual benefit. It does words in and of themselves. So now I do a count of, say, four or five release. So four or five inhale, release, 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 holding one side. Then then a hold with the inhale hold for, say, another, let's just do four release mentally or whatever word soothes you. And then out of the opposite nostril, the same count exhale. Then hold it out. I'm indicating you hold it out, right? Then back in the side it just came out of, four count. Then hold at the top with the inhale, same count. You guys follow me? So that's why it's called a box, because it's an equal amount of time through each one the important thing is that you're just you're doing it in that uh, circuit so to speak so that it's going up one side hold down the other side back up the other side oops (laughs) hold back down the other side you got me i'm going to join in with you because i just love this stuff and it'll it'll help me sort of get grounded so that i can deliver what i came here to deliver so without further ado Let's start at the top. I'm going to do a couple guided with you guys, and then I'll join in. I realized I was being selfish. So we're going to start inhaling on the right side to a count of one, two, three, four. Plug, hold in, one, two, three, four. Exhale left side, one, two, three four. Hold the exhale for one, two, three, four. Inhale on the left nostril one, two, three, four. Hold at the top for one, two, three, four. Exhale on the right for one, two, three. Four. Hold the exhale for one, two, three, four, and so on. Now we're on the inhale on the right. And then finish up on your last exhale, whichever one that is. If it's the last, probably the right. That was the first. That's different, right? You notice how still the room gets when you just stop for a moment like that? It's incredible. I love those moments when we were doing the exercise together after I um, was through leading you through the first couple rounds. My mind was incredibly still and quiet, and for the first time, I just heard air conditioning. <laughs> I love those moments. You know, those are the moments when I really, when I really, and and I think I'm in touch with who and what I really am. That's that witness perspective. That is the goal of all spiritual practices, or at least the the interim step is to becoming witness, and then holding that witness and holding that awareness through day to day life of setting up the gear, driving here, doing the things, making the calls, da, 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 to be moving, to be active, to be effective to accomplishing said objectives, but to still have that AC going in the background, to still have that sense of stillness. And to me, that's the, uh, that's the real sweetness in life. But in my own experience, that hasn't come just as a result of like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to like do the spiritual thing now and, and just be chill. <laughs> it really takes practices, grounding practices like that in my life in order for me to just stop and connect and at least to be able to just touch down to where that place is, that place of stillness. So I've identified it. I know what it's like. I have a visceral experience of what it feels like just for a moment to be grounded. And once I have that base level, it's like I know where home is. And I have this homing device. And then what happens is, The further away from home I get, the more uncomfortable that starts to feel. And then I become motivated to pick up a practice like that or to stop or to have a kind thought for myself or for someone else to bring myself back into homeostasis, no pun intended, but to bring myself back home. And I spend a lot of time talking about the physical realm and a lot of the work that I do and the people that I interview, it's all about optimizing your body. And preventing disease, or in some cases, treating disease naturally and things like that. And I'm absolutely certain that it's important to keep this vessel that we're given uh, tuned up. But again, I'll go back to what I said in the beginning. The whole purpose of the physical stuff is to get to this, so that my body is actually okay being still. Because that's the thing. We're sort of we're gifted and graced with this physical vehicle that our souls have that we're given to come here and experience the material realm But we're also encumbered by this physical body because within the physical body are the inherent needs of the body. And with the inherent needs of the body, you have the mind whose job it is to make sure that those needs of the body are fulfilled. And turn on the news and you see the problem with that, (laughs) that formula. That's called the human condition, right? It's when the mind goes, oh, I know how to get that. Step on this person, crush this person, kill this person, have sex with all these people. It's what the mind does. Eat all the brownies. It's what my mind does. I feel awkward. Eat more brownies. Where's the alcohol? You know? Give me something. The body is always looking for something. It's always in aversion, getting away from something, or it's in that sense of desire and wanting, thinking that salvation is in the achievement or the, uh, the attainment or whatever the thing is that is going to soothe it or relieve it, right? So... It's a fine line of being in the body and experiencing embodiment through these practices of health and yoga and everything like that that I'm a, such a fan of. But the purpose is to be able to, in a sense, almost disassociate from the body. Okay, body, you're here. Cool. I acknowledge that. This is reality. I'm, I'm here on earth. I, I've been embodied so that I can have this journey and learn the lessons that I'm here to learn. But it's not about the body. By getting the body strong enough using technologies like this, so that I can actually have the nervous system that can handle the spiritual energy that God has given me to share with others uh, who might be suffering in ways that I've suffered and overcome. And that's the mission of my life. And it's such a gift to be able to have a sense of purpose. You know, because so long in my life, <laughs> the purpose was don't die. You know, And it seemed as if everything was out to get me. And this is the framework of my family system and and trauma and abandonment and all of the things that so many of us experience that we volunteer for when we come here to Earth and take on a body and jump in a womb and go, yeah, okay, give me what you got, universe. We pop out and it's like, really? Okay, boom, try this on for size. And then there we go. And we're thrust into this human experience, uh, believing that the... uh, the physical realm, the material realm that we're in is all there is. And then it's a matter of kind of getting back home and, and having the experience that <laughs> we're trying to get back to where we came from, which is that sense of universal oneness, that sense of unconditional love, that sense of being safe, uh, that sense of being cared for, of being protected, of being with our God, with our higher power, with our creator. It's such a strange... Um, Cosmic joke, isn't it? That you know that we come out of the ethers, we come from nothingness, we come from the void, and we enter into this experience only to, for many of us, spend our whole life. Once we see that that's the answer to our salvation, to get back to that place. It's almost as if life is uh, circular. You know, that's the experience I have. Come in very threatening, hostile environment. It's almost as if, for me, and I don't know if you share this experience, but it was like a science fiction movie where you see some space travelers and they land on a foreign planet and it's a very hostile environment. They get out of the spaceship and they're like, what the hell? They still have dinosaurs here, you know, that kind of thing. That was my whole life experience as a kid. It was just like, oh, how do these people do it? Who got? How do these people get the rule book? I didn't have the rule book. I just didn't. How do you person just don't understand? And so... For me, a lot of my coping mechanisms that I used to be able to handle being in this body and the threatening life experience that I had were um, self-medicating and finding ways to just turn down the volume knob, turn down the lights, just dim all of that experience a little bit. And that worked for a period of time. But like all shortcuts, it had its shortcomings. You know, it had its side effects. Uh, in the destruction of relationships and self-worth and self-esteem, and my own moral fiber and uh, any sense of grounding and connection to the people that loved me, the few of them that there were. And I'm not trying to play the victim. It's just how it was so situated. So at first, it's by desperation that I think many of us come to the metaphysical to the spiritual. I've met very few people in life that were super connected, super happy. Super grounded, had a great childhood, and they're like, you know what would make this even better? Let me meditate twice a day. (laughs) Most people I know that are seriously committed to living a life of surrender, living a life of acceptance, a life of giving, of unconditional love, of true spirituality, not pious spirituality, not yoga mat spirituality, but inside, internal, quiet the spirituality of solitude that you and only you know that you have when you're with yourself, those people, I find, are generally driven to that way of life and that way of appropriating themselves in the world by abject pain and suffering. And in my life, what's been so beautiful is that I've been given so many experiences, and I've brought upon myself so many experiences, which at the outset seemed to be as if all the odds were stacked against me and that I lived in that hostile universe and that God was out to get me and that people were out to get me and that it wasn't fair and that I was being punished for something. I probably was, frankly, and was literally many times. But seeing life as sort of a a hopeless and meaningless existence that one has to suffer through until you get to the end and hopefully you die in a humane fashion... Not, you know, in a guillotine or, uh, um, you know, in a hospital bed receiving chemo or whatever it might be. But because I'm lucky enough to have had a pretty rocky road early on and, you know, hit that place of surrender at a pretty young age. For me, it was 26 years old where I earnestly decided to seek a relationship with God in my life. Which is something I'm learning how to not be apologetic about. For years I've been tiptoeing around, like, don't say that word, people are gonna hate you. You know what? I don't know what else to call it. Fine, you know, it's like, I almost like the atheist, I don't know what to tell you. Good luck with that. You know, at this point, it's <laughs> it's hard to not, you know, it's hard to tiptoe around it, but that's when that happened for me. And what happened when I, and I don't mean that in a religious sense, and religion's great for most people, it's not been my path, but. I know that there's something that's making my heart beat right now. Put it that way. And taint me. And if you're sitting here and your heart's beating like it appears that they are, you're not doing it either. So something's there, you know, whatever that is. So when I say God, I mean that thing, that ineffable, not understandable, not nameable thing uh, that a lot of humans just refer to as God. Call it what you want. Experience it how you want. But for me... The purpose of my life is to get closer and closer to that thing which I am a part of, that thing that has given me the breath of life, that thing that continues to work through me, continues to keep the physical body alive, continues to keep the whole universe in its seemingly hectic yet perfect balance, and to begin to contextualize my life experience, even the situations that my mind decides to label and judge as bad or negative, as to be able to contextualize everything As love, to be able to frame everything as a benefit to me, the flat tire, the parking ticket, the divorce, the upset stomach, the dead dog, the pissed off mom, the girlfriend that left, the whatever, ad infinitum, that rather than that being a personal attack and an affront on my ego that perceives everything that way, it's all about me, right, is to be able to actually, not just down the road, look back and go... I see why the divorce happened. I needed to learn X, Y, and Z. But to actually be in the middle of the pre-divorce, the current divorce, and post-divorce, I'm just using divorce as an example. I'm not currently in that process, thankfully. <laughs> but whatever the struggle is that one's having, right, is to be able to frame life in a way so that even though there's pain, even though there's discomfort, there's, there's emotions that we'd rather not be experiencing, whether they manifest as tears or anger or self-pity, or just um, a sense of loss, you know, that even in those moments that it's possible to be able to see the big picture, to be able to stay in a position of experience that's zoomed out. It's like looking at life, being an ant and looking down on the ground, versus being in a 747, 35,000 feet in the air. You know, how do you do that? Well, first you recognize, shit, my face is planted right into the ground right now, and all I can see is this very limited perspective on my experience, which is that perspective of suffering and victimhood, or blame. You know, the, the blame, it's sort of like it's uh, <laughs> you know, I think the Buddhist call it the second arrow, you know, where it's like screw that guy, boing, and you're like, ah, God, I'm such a jerk, I'm mad at that guy. You know, it's, it's a loop, it's a feedback loop, so whether it's condemnation or blame for others, or it's You know, self-incrimination, self-hatred, self-blame. It's all kind of the same thing in the end. But that's the life experience when I'm too close to the picture to see what's in the frame. It's like trying to read that chalkboard with your nose rubbed up against the freaking blackness. You can't see, you know? So how do we zoom out? How do we reframe? How do we get perspective that puts us more in alignment with universal reality, universal truth so that even in Times of pain and times of struggle, there's meaning to it. There's purpose to it, you know, because without that, without a sense of meaning, I don't think the will to live will persist for most of us uh, if we suffer enough, you know, and this is why you see the phenomenon, the human phenomenon of suicide. And whenever that happens, it always occurs to me, I'm like, dude, you killed the wrong guy, you know, the ego killed the body. And the soul's going like, hello, there was a way out of this. I'm right here. And unfortunately, for some of us uh, in some incarnations, that's, that's the way out, you know? And that comes from becoming so disillusioned, so enamored by this sort of false reality that we live in that you start to believe it's true. And so what I like to share more than anything is, how do I get into the ultimate reality? You know, how do I find truth even when everything around me is indicating the opposite of truth, right? You know, when you look at what we face today in terms of the media and just the propaganda and the manipulation of advertising and social media and all the ways in which our very malleable minds are being manipulated and controlled. I mean, God, it's enough just to try to unplug from the egoic experience of living life. But how do you unplug from, you know, the matrix literally... That's keeping the mind, the human collective ego mind, plugged into a false reality. It's not just our own like stories, it's the stories that are being implanted into our conscious and subconscious minds. We're up against <laughs> a really challenging version of reality. So how do we unplug from that, you know? And to me, that's the most important conversation. But I like to just trick people and talk about physical biohacks and stuff just to reel them in. <laughs> it's the Trojan horse, you know. Oh, yeah, what's the best B vitamin here? Come here, sit down. Have you tried meditation? That's the best B vitamin. <laughs> you know, It's called B vitamin. You know? Let's B here. Oh, my God. Just to have the ability to be, to be present, you know. And to. I had the thought to, to, to be present enough, to have enough of a grasp or at least you know, the toe in the swimming pool of reality. Just just a touch of reality to know that not everything the mind produces, every word that comes out of one's mind is truth. And I'd say probably less than 1% actually is true. So I'll give you an example, a real-time example. And I'm a student of spirituality. I mean, I claim the progress I've made, and I've made hella progress, trust me, from where I came from, but I'm still very much a student, you know? So I'm not here teaching you guys like, oh, this is how you need to live life. I'm just sharing my own profound and beautiful experience that I'm finding and maybe you might be able to take some of what I say and apply it to your own life and you you know uh, experience some of the same benefits but I get in the car to come here and I was actually walking on my way out to get the car I had just left my dog cuz I wasn't sure if I could bring my dog if it was going to be weird whatever in retrospect it would have been awesome <laughs> But then I see my mind going, oh, you shit, you dumbass. And I go, oh, no, 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 no. It happened just the way it was supposed to happen. Maybe the dog wasn't supposed to be here, and I followed my intuition, and I left her there. Anyway, I'm walking out to the car, and I had just finished recording a podcast. It was about two hours. We hung out for an hour before. We did an hour of video afterwards. It was a four-hour block of time. <laughs> I only had it on my calendar for an hour and a half. But I shoot the shit a lot. Hour and a half turns into four hours. I did that to myself because I lack a grasp of time. Maybe I'm too zoomed out sometimes, you know, (laughs) to come back down to earth and go, oh, yeah, I got to go. So these guys leave. It's 5.30. I'm like, I haven't eaten all day because I fast a lot. That's not uncommon. But I knew I needed to eat before I came here. I had to get some fats in the old belly there. So uh, I'm on my way to the car. And my mind produces this idea. It sort of holds it out here for me. But I meditated uh, twice today already. Somehow I managed to pack that in. So rather than me having the thought that I'm about to share and going, yeah, that's true. Oh, this thing's a stupid ass. It was like, here's a thought. Try this one on, Luke. Who's the dumbass that booked a podcast and a speaking gig on the same day? And then I saw my mind. It was her. It was him. It was them. It was them. And then it was like, well, it might not have been. And then the next thought was, no, it was you. You stupid dumbass. You loser. Why did you do that? I really don't know who did it. It might have been me. Or it might have been my assistant. But either way, the mind, because I felt this sense of being rushed a little bit, it had to assign blame to someone. It just It's suffering. You know, the mind is going like, oh, I'm rushed, I'm pressured, the dog. I, I literally, in my car right now, I have a plate With my hamburger, I was driving with my knee, like eating a hamburger with the fork. That's how I roll. And I'm sitting there going, "Why do I have to eat the hamburger?" And you know, who's the idiot that did the, you know, the whole thing? And it's it's a small thing, but see, it's very meaningful because it's one example of what will happen many, many times throughout every day of my existence, where. Because of that gap of separation, because of a little self-awareness, a lot of years of meditation, a lot of what we call in some traditions mindfulness of just staying slow, even when I might be moving fast, I'm going to the car, I'm carrying the stuff. Even in that, though, I'm watching what's coming out of this thing, man. And what comes out is it's them. They did this to me. No, it's you. You did it to you. You idiot. Being able to see that magically dispels the energy out of that thought form. It's like seeing you're hiking through the woods on a trail and you see a rattlesnake and you're startled. You're Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's a rattlesnake. And then you're like, wait, what? Oh, that's a rope. (laughs) That's a rope. You can never again think that's a rattlesnake. It's just no, I already saw it. It's a rope. You guys, it's you're fine. Walk by. You're cool the more I start to see how my mind lies to me, how it just panics and it gets cornered like a little animal, a little afraid animal, and it starts to lash out, out there or back in here, the more power I have over it to sort of just, it's like a helium balloon and I have the magic pin and I just go, And this happens in ten thousandths of a second. I mean, that's how fast a thought is, right? A thought and then five more thoughts and you had a thought and then the self-realization of like, no, man, it's nobody's fault. It's just, it's just the way the calendar is today. And does it matter? No, it's amazing. That's the other side of it. Not only is no one to blame and it doesn't matter and it's not bad, just an arbitrary circumstance, but it's actually the best thing ever. It's beautiful. Can you imagine the day I had? I had four guys come over to my house that are just, the most awesome, they're from Minnesota or some shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> just salt of the earth, really nice guys, almost too nice for me. I'm like, what's the angle, you know? You guys, are you weird at all? Maybe not weird enough to hang with me. No, but they're just really great guys, very sweet, very kind. They have a great company I really believe in. I have the opportunity to share their their company and their invention with the world and have this beautiful dog and I have a lovely apartment. I mean, it's just, you couldn't ask for a more idyllic life. That's actually the truth. And then I go get in my car and I'm pissy for a second, walk into my car. I have an amazing, beautiful German car. Like I should be dead. I mean, I don't want to go into my past, but I'm not the guy that at 23, 24 years old, you would have been like... I bet some guy, somebody, that guy is going to have an amazing podcast, be speaking to public audiences about spirituality, have a beautiful dog, a BMW, da-da-da, own a fashion school, have this amazing, illustrious career for 17 years. I was not that guy. I was the guy where you're like, oh, step around that guy. Don't talk to him. Watch out, you know? I was that guy. So the reality is, is that everything is totally perfect, and I'm coming here tonight to do the thing that I love the most, which is to share my heart with people, to share the love that I experience in my own life subjectively with other people, for you know um, those that are receptive to it at least, and those that are desirous of that type of experience. Not everyone is. Some people sit in a room and they're like, "What is this guy talking about? He's weird." You know, that doesn't matter though. I don't care about that. I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to have an experience. You know, it's not an intellectual experience that we're having. It's a it's a heart experience. It's a language of the heart. So as my mind says, who did this to me? I did this to me. The calendar, I'm too busy. This isn't fair. It shouldn't be that way. It's such a luxury. It's such a gift to be able to go, that's bullshit. This is amazing. And just go on with my night and drive out here. And then my phone rings. And it's a guy that I don't know that well. And he's, um, he's someone in addiction recovery, which is <laughs> something I've been in for almost 22 years. You know, I was really bad off, as I said, when I was young. So... Uh, when I get a call like that, it's more meaningful than a buddy calling to shoot the shit or, you know, someone calling to check in or ask a question. Most of the time, in that situation, I would just be like, oh, ignore the call, like, I'll call him later. I just ran out of the house. I did the thing, I got to get to the thing. Rushed in a hurry. But I saw that call, and for a second, I almost clicked "Ignore. I was like, "Screw that guy. He'll figure it out. I'm busy. I'm important. People are waiting. And then I saw that call, and I thought, that's God calling. And this kid calls me. He thinks he's calling me because he needs some help, some advice. You know, hey, man, I've got this going on. My wife, the thing, the immigration, the struggles, the da-da-da. And, you know, he's calling me. He's like, man, sorry to bother you. This is like that. And I, I try to tell him, and he probably can't hear me. But I, I, I said to him after he'd, you know, hopefully offloaded some of the pressure that he was experiencing, and I gave him a couple tidbits of advice maybe that might be useful, or just not advice even, but just, you know, hey, I've been through that, and here's what I do when that happens kind of thing. Fifteen minutes on the phone, all, you know, all the way over here essentially, which was my, like, digest the burger that i just eaten in the center console time. <laughs> and uh, I said to him, you know, I said, thank you so much. I'm really sorry to bother you. I said, dude, you just saved me. You know, I'm not helping you. You're helping me because when I saw that call, and this is what I told him, I said, when I saw my phone, I said, yeah, I really wanted to just click ignore. (laughs) That's how brutally honest I am. Not because it's him. I'm just busy. I don't feel like talking. I said, but I saw that that was a call for me. See what I'm saying? That was a gift to me because it was an opportunity for me to give. It was an opportunity for me to Express compassion towards someone, uh, empathy for someone, and an opportunity for me, again, to take some of those painful experiences that I've had in my life and transmute them into gold for this kid who's just very confused with his life experience. He's not zoomed out. He's in ant view going like, dude, I'm freaking out. I'm like, you're good. You're in ant view. I'm in helicopter view at least. Maybe not 747, but I'm a helicopter (laughs) treetop at worst, right? So here, man, here's what I see. And he's just like, oh, my God, wow, this is so helpful. I feel so much better. I didn't even do anything. I just said, yeah, I've been there. Here's what I did. Here's what might be going on based on my limited perspective and knowledge of your situation. But God, this is a life worth living. But see... The day that I had today is worth living, not because of what happened, but because of my perspective on what happened. You could take the day I had today and go, oh my God, I get up. I got all these people banging on my door. They want to come in with all this stuff, set the stuff up. I got to do this thing. I got to this event tonight. God, it sucks. I'm so busy. I'm so stressed out. Who did this to my calendar is one experience, but it's one reality, right? There's one reality that exists and I have dominion over that reality, power over that reality, solely by the perspective that I give energy to. And it's such a gift to be able to live in a way, and I got to say, it's like this most of the time, and I'm not I'm not trying to say, oh, I got it figured out. Trust me, I get my ass beat on a regular basis, but it's fewer and far between that I get so captured by non-reality that I start to believe it's true and that there's no way out and you know just get embroiled in frustration and hopelessness and the things that I used to experience so much most of the time it's like flicking on a light switch of the reality switch I start to my vision gets obscured by non-reality some shadows some darkness come in I start to believe my mind it tells me thoughts and ideas and I think it's true and then I go wait a minute is my mind telling me the truth right now? No, it's totally full of crap. That's not reality. That's a perspective of reality. Unplug, turn the light switch on, and then it's just like, whoosh, I've been pulled out in a portal almost out of one trajectory that my day or my week or maybe a month was about to take, and I've been sort of like teleported into this different reality just like that. It's incredible to be able to live like that. It's, it's freedom. It's, it's having the golden key, the golden key of, of freedom from the bondage of the human experience. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. I'd like to remind you to get over to lukestory.com forward slash store. That's where you're going to find a collection of links to every single product that I recommend to keep yourself young and healthy. So whether it be a supplement to help you sleep, whether it's some biohacking technology, blue blocking glasses, blue blocking light, every single herb you could ever want to know about under the sun, it's all at lukestory.com forward slash store. I've gotten so many requests over the past couple of years for my top picks. I just decided to put them all in one place. So at lukestory.com forward slash store, You will find links and in many cases, really sweet discount codes on every single product that I've ever tried and still believe in, or even products that I'm still using to this day. So get over to LukeStory.com forward slash store, do your shopping there. You're going to save yourself a lot of hours of arduous research. I've done the work for you. I've vetted every single thing on the site, and I believe it is the best of the best, the cream of the crop. So get over there and check it out. It's a great way to save yourself some time and money and also a great way to support the podcast. That's lukestory.com forward slash store. And now back to the interview. What has helped me a lot in building the practice of being able to apply that has been formal meditation. And the funny thing about meditation is, it's kind of a buzzword now. It's popular on Wall Street and Silicon Valley, and you know, actors and athletes do it. It's in sports. It's everywhere. For a minute, when something I've been into, kind of in the bedroom, just quietly on my own, becomes popular, I'm like, I knew about this 20 years ago. You know. Meanwhile, the saints and sages go, Yeah, we knew about it 20,000 years ago. You know, <laughs> however long humans have been recording their inner discoveries. But then I see, "Wow, the reason why it's catching on is because it's so effective. you know, no matter what kind of meditation it is, I've done a lot of different types and still do. But for me, what I think has probably had the most profound impact on my ability to carry that observer perspective into my life in my daily activities has been a mantra based meditation. Uh, what I do is called Vedic meditation it's uh, derived from the same lineage as TM, Transcendental Meditation, which uh, I think they both came from, uh, what's his name? Uh, was it the Maharishi? Maharishi, right? So um, the one the Beatles went to see, you know, that's how I always think about that They all have something Rishi, you know, they're, they're all, that word Rishi is in many of their titles, so I get confused on which one's which, but uh, it's neither here nor there. The bottom line is that, When I started practicing that type of meditation after having dabbled a lot and been to India and done all sorts of things in the spiritual realm, uh, when I got into that form of meditation, it was very profound for me and the effects have been cumulative because it's a set-aside practice where I take 20 minutes twice a day and I just do it no matter what. And I thought when I started that that was going to be very difficult. Is who has 20, min- 20 minutes twice a day? What planet do you live on, meditation teacher? <laughs> can't do that. I mean, that's 40 minutes out of my day. I'm a busy guy. Meanwhile, I'll catch myself sitting there on my phone sometimes. I'm like, whoa, an hour and a half just went by. Like, seriously, we all have time to meditate 20 minutes a day. I don't care how busy you are. It's a matter of appropriating smaller, perhaps, um, sections of time into a 20-minute block. But if you think about just the time you waste just screwing around honestly if you consolidate that into two 20-minute blocks it's totally doable I think for me the practice was uh, immediately applicable because I started to see benefits so fast after having been someone who tried many forms of meditation uh, oftentimes to a considerable degree of frustration because I didn't have a technique it was like listen to this tape read this book try this thing I thought that you had to try to fight your mind and make your mind stop thinking, which, by the way, is a horrible strategy to learn how to meditate. You're going to hate meditating if you're trying to make your mind stop. Uh, the, the practice that I learned, I learned from a gentleman named Jeff Kober. And I, again, have no, nothing to gain from promoting this type of meditation. I'm not a teacher, per se, uh, um, although I think my teacher, Jeff's great. And you can look him up. He was also on my podcast. He's an actor. I think the episode's called enlightenment of the walking dead or something because that's a show he was on so you can find it but jeff Kober, amazing guy brilliant guy great meditation teacher has been meditating for 80 freaking years or something but he taught me and the minute he taught me i was like this works because now i have something to do i sit down i'm not just like i don't know what what am i doing no i sit down and i very quietly very subtly very gently almost in an undetectable manner repeat that mantra as little effort as possible in the very recesses of my awareness. So how he explained it to me was you're in a baseball stadium and there's someone in the dugout way over there and they're saying your mantra, they're whispering it. You know, let's just say it's om. And you're way up there like, what? I could barely make it out. That's how you repeat the mantra inside. You could do the same thing with breath awareness. I mean, I listen to uh, uh, Tara, Br- Tara, Tara Brock, Tara Brock. I'm going to get her on the show soon. I've got an inroad, so look out for that if you listen to the podcast. She's one of my favorites, but she does a lot of guided meditations and it's more from the Buddhist tradition of mindfulness. And she'll have her audience. She speaks like I speak, and she'll guide people in meditation, and they listen to their breath and that breath awareness. Same concept. It's as a mantra, uh, to me, it's distracting the mind like you would distract your dog. You know, I have this dog that I talk about all the time because I'm an obsessed new father. But when my dog's doing something annoying, there's no way I can make her stop by like, hey, mama. it doesn't work, but I'll just be like, check out this other thing, right? And she's like, "Do she's so easy to fool most of the time. <laughs> well, it turns out, The ancient mystics figured out that the mind is pretty easy to fool, too. You just have to give it something shiny over here, something to distract it, something to charm it. Ding, 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 a little bell off in the distance. And that could be your breath, or that could be a mantra. And that's the idea with that meditation. So whatever, I'm sure many of you have already found a meditation practice that you're happy with and that works. What I want to implore uh, is that through the practice of meditation twice a day for 20 minutes a day sometimes more if i'm cheating you're not supposed to do it more but i just like it so much sometimes i do it longer or more times if i feel it's needed but what happens is there's me and my body right so there's the bodiness okay i'm sitting here i might be uncomfortable i'm leaning again oh that's the good thing about my practice is you lean back it's not like one of these ones you have to keep your spine erect that drives me crazy I could never meditate like that. I think they do that in the Zen tradition. You know, you like sit there for eight hours, I'm out. I'll go to the retreat thing just to chill. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm going to cheat and go sit in the corner against the wall, you know. So I'm relaxed, but I'm having this experience of, okay, I'm meditating now. I'd look at the timer. I don't set a timer because I want to get in the habit of knowing what 20 minutes feels like. And now I do. I have a timer with no alarm, but I have it there in case I go into some deep trance and I'm like, shit, I got to go to work. So I I put on the non-alarm timer there and have the body awareness. I'm like, okay, I'm in the body. And I ask myself, who is the one that's actually experiencing the body? And who's the one that says, oh, here I am sitting? It's that awareness, that is consciousness that I actually am. That's who I am. And so immediately, I haven't even started meditating. I'm already zoomed out, going like, ha-ha, look, Luke, there you are down there sitting on the couch about to meditate. In other words, who's the one watching? If you're sitting there watching yourself, there's someone doing the watching and someone who's being watched. There's the observed and there's the observer. So at the onset of a meditative practice, that's inherently there. Then there's the awareness of, how am I going to meditate? My mind's going really fast. It won't shut up. What about the thing? I texted someone so the email, the calendar, the thing, the thing, the talk, the' done. The. There's the chatter. Who's the one that's aware of the chatter? You ever think about that? You're not the chatter because you couldn't be aware of the chatter if you were the chatter. That's the good news. The mind can be mastered because it can be tricked. Ding, 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 just like the dog can be tricked. So I sit to meditate. See, ah, oh, the mind's really busy. And go, ha, ah, that's funny. I'm watching the mind be busy. That's awesome. So as I dip into the mantra, have that experience... Then there's this dreamy state of sort of half awake, half asleep, I'm not really sure, the mantra kind of comes in a little bit, and then it goes away, and then other things happen, and I just have this beautiful experience, 90% of the time, that's my seated meditation. Then what happens is, I go, okay, wow, I got to get it together, like, I have to get back in human form here, and like... Pretend like I'm a body out in the world to fool people, you know, and that I'm this guy, Luke, that's in this thing, which I'm really not. I know that, and on one level you all know that, but I have to use this personality and this voice and this brain and this body to go do stuff uh, as a manifestation of the one who was watching that guy meditate before. Follow me? With that practice and with this type of awareness comes the ability then to walk down to the car and have the mind go, who did the calendar? And I go, aha, stupid mind. Get out of here. I'm having a great day. I don't need that. Everything's perfect. What? What are you talking about? Go away. Get out of here. Thank you, mind. Good job. Okay, you can stay in, stay in the house. Go play with Cookie. <laughs> it's my dog, Cookie. So this is... To me, the the real practical application of what some refer to as mindfulness. See, my spiritual life can't be on the pillow. It's got to be in life. I need something to take with me. I have a very volatile personality, a very volatile mind. I have a mind that will just viciously turn on itself, on me, on other people. I can turn my day-to-day experience into a total catastrophe in just a few thoughts Because if I don't have that awareness and that discipline, me personally, my mind becomes so vicious so fast that it starts to magnetize other negative thoughts. And then once it starts to develop so much energy in the form of negativity, then it starts to attract other people that are also having that experience. Because I'm creating this magnetism for other jerks that are also struggling with the world and have fallen under the spell that they are their mind also. This is why one day you can go out, go to the bank, hit the ATM, go in Whole Foods, do your thing. Beautiful day. Everyone smiles at you. You smile at everyone. You're living the dream. It's awesome. You get a parking ticket. You're like, hey, thanks. Have a great day. And then the next day, you have the same experience, and you're just in living hell. Your head's on fire. You just want to kill everyone. I mean, maybe you don't, but I've become homicidally thoughtful, (laughs) you know, And then if that goes on long enough, I become suicidally thoughtful. And not to make light of those, but I'm serious. I mean, inside me just becomes this war, right? But I don't have to live like that. And no one has to live like that with the awareness that there's a way out. There's a golden key to the prison that many of us are kept in a lot of the time. As a result of becoming too personality, too ego, too body to instinct identified, you know? If there were no spiritual masters on the earth that have given us these uh, pieces of wisdom, these bodies of knowledge, we'd all be screwed and we would have never evolved past wherever we came from. We'd all be running around with the wolves still, you know? We'd all still be just in animal form having that experience. And this is what you see across the world in, in lower consciousness Populations that are still in tribal warfare and even in our lower consciousness population here in Western culture, you see that too. I mean, like I said, you turn on the news, that's what you see is a bunch of animals that still believe that their mind is telling them the truth. And they're trying to protect their bodies and they're territorial and they're just totally run on instinct. And when human beings run on instinct, you have this. Just like when you take your unsocialized dog to the dog park. Like, it's just a... It's a perfect example of the human experience for people that aren't disconnected and haven't been gifted and graced with a method by which to have an alternate experience of reality and to have a true connection to who they really are. <laughs> I have no idea what time it is. I just realized, I'm like, you've been talking for a while. This is a topic, though, honestly, that could go on forever, but, uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll wrap it up here. And the, the, the great thing is... Honestly, this is one of the most fun talks I think I've ever done. I feel completely centered and on point in in who and where I am right in the moment. What's really cool is I have no idea what this said. The The only thing I followed was combat breath out of this whole list on my PowerPoint. Because you know what? It's just, it's all irrelevant. That's the thing. What we're dealing with here is the metaphysical realm we're dealing with a realm that's beyond uh, my preconceived ideas of what my mind tells me needs to happen tonight. This is the surrendered life experience of allowing a higher wisdom, a higher intelligence to operate in one's life so that you're not at the mercy of what the mind thinks is the thing you're supposed to do. Now, you got to have the mind to be somewhere to set up the stuff, to type out the thing, to get prepared. The mind is very useful. I love my mind. I do everything I can to make it work optimally all the time. If you see my supplement cabinet just for the brain, it's (laughs) insane. We've done neurofeedback here (laughs) you know, down the street at Peak Brain LA. I do a lot for the physical brain. I'm all for it. But to have an experience uh, like tonight, to get to just flow state something and really just go from my heart and share something that's more meaningful to me in a more spontaneous way and have no plan is what life's all about. And that's made possible 100% by getting in touch with who and what I really am and by tuning into that intuition, you know, that intuition, that inner knowing of, hmm, which direction to go, what to talk about, where to go, whom to see, to see the synchronicity of having OsteoStrong pop up on my radar, ding, 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 three times in succession, and to have enough awareness and enough stillness to go, hmm, There's something there, and maybe what was there was because I was supposed to be here tonight. Maybe there's one person in the room that has never meditated and is going to try it now, or maybe there's one person in the room that's been meditating and hates it, and they're frustrated, or there's been one person in the room that never had the idea that God doesn't have to be a religion, that God can be the thing that makes your fingernails grow. (laughs) It's a very unsexy version of God, right? Your toenails grow because of God, but maybe I was here. (laughs) That's weird. But... Maybe I was here because I, I, I took the subtle cues from universal intelligence, from the unseen hand. You know, that's how I think of God often is like, it's like this big hand that kind of scoots my little poo butt in one direction or the other. This baby little Luke. I'm like, eh. I think I know what's going on. I'm kind of wandering through life, have it figured out. And God's like, over there, the unseen hand that way. OK, OK, here I go. Here I go. Osteo OK, I'll call him. I'll call him. I get it. You know, that's how I live my life, and it's a really fun, spontaneous way to live because, in a sense, you have a plan because there's an intention. The intention is to serve God and to serve my fellow man, period. To alleviate suffering in ways that I've found effective to alleviate my own suffering, period. There's the plan. Now, how that manifests and how that maps out, I don't know, because I'm not using this to decide because this is going to have a very short-term limited perspective on how to achieve that objective how to substantiate and bring to reality my intention that i just described the mind will go oh do it this way get famous and get rich and then you can like help poor people what no that's not it i mean that might be it but it's about surrender you know and i think i'll close with that and surrender has been the most powerful principle in my life and if you could boil down everything that i think is is meaningful it's That one word, because that word acknowledges that I'm surrendering to the great reality. I'm surrendering to the unseen hand. I'm surrendering to the truth that there is an inherent love and intelligence that exists throughout the universe that has my best interests in mind, uh, that it's a benevolent force that's there, it's irrefutable, it's something I can have the experience of, and it's something that if I can trust that more and more, just blindly leap forward and trust, just surrender deeper, more aspects of my self, the deepest parts of myself, that I think, no, no, I have to hang on to this, I have to protect this, I'm too vulnerable, I can't let this go, because who's got my back, to let that go, and then another, <laughs> another layer gets surrendered, It's almost like the Russian dolls, you know, you think you've surrendered and you're like, oh, shit, there's another false self under that false self, under that false self, under that false self. Yeah, that's the game until you leave this body and you go wherever you go. I've not, well, I've been there, of course, like we all have, but I don't remember it. That's the the, (laughs) the thing. The universe sets it up so most of us don't remember the time in between lives and all that. Another conversation. I don't care. I don't need to know it. Shit, I can barely handle this reality right? That's like people that want to go save the world. I'm like, can you just get along with your stepmom first? You know what I mean? Like, let's just solve the immediate issues at hand. But uh, in closing, I'd like to just say that there's one takeaway that you might keep in mind is is to play with that idea of surrender, the the principle of surrender. And, And when I say that again, I mean, trusting that there's another guidance system, there's another GPS for each one of our lives and It's one GPS system, but we each have a different way of interpreting that GPS. We can all use a different app. Let's put it that way, right? Everyone has their own unique approach to it. But I have noticed in the course of my life that each person's surrender experience leads them into a more rich experience of life and a life that is less filled with pain and suffering. I mean, that's the bottom line. I think each one of us, no matter what our views, can agree that the goal is less suffering for myself as I start to experience that, to help manifest a world around me that has less suffering outside of myself. But unless I've learned how to overcome that on my own, how effective can I really be to affect change in the world? And so uh, I'm not one that gets really involved in many causes. I'm more just boots on the ground, like I help one person at a time. When I get the parking ticket, I say, hey, thanks so much for the ticket. Have a great day. I do stuff like that. The people look at me like, freak, get away from me, (laughs) you know? It's so beautiful to be able to live in a state where you're not fighting with reality, not arguing anymore, not fighting what is, saying, oh, this is what is. I see the mind disagrees. That's okay. Thank you, mind. I'm going back into reality, into a state of surrender, and I'm agreeing with reality, even when it hurts, even when it's painful, even when there's loss, and even when there's sadness, because underneath all of that, is really the understanding that there is a sense of joy that can be experienced throughout all realms of the human experience. So uh, with that, I think I'll close. And I just want to thank you guys so much for joining me in tonight's conversation. Thank you. Yeah, What I'm hearing is that that uh, meditation and surrender, if that is sort of considered the, the, the uber ultimate biohack, really, which I really get that in my own life, how different my life is if I am grounded and centered and, and in my body. And, um, but what are things that you are doing to... Help facilitate that in your life with all of the rest of the practices that you're finding. If you could just share like five five minutes of that, yeah, just for some a couple of yeah, things, like how to, keep, how to keep how to keep the container more on the physical level in yeah. order to have the metaphysical experience of life. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's I mean a lot of things, but there are some very basic ones that are really helpful. And I did a talk last night on them, and I'm into all of these. Alternative uh, healing devices and technologies and supplements and all these crazy practices, right? But most of them, if you really get down to the core of what they're about, is about be- getting back into alignment with nature, with Earth, with our solar system, with the lunar system, right? So the ultimate biohacks for me on the physical plane are very simple to break down, and then there's multitudes of different ways that one can experience those modalities. So the first one would be Let's just say water, number one, water. And I could, honestly, I'm not even exaggerating, I could talk for the next 12 hours straight about water and never skip a beat, <laughs> okay? So I'll make it brief. Most of the water that all of us are drinking and putting on our bodies, so not just in our bodies, but ingesting through our skin and through our lungs, bathing, etc. cetera, uh, most of what we consider water is not even actually water anymore by the time it gets to our tap or to our bottle. It's something that looks like water, Touches like water, but ultimately on an energetic level is not water. And so uh, I've developed a practice over many years of drinking spring water that either I get myself from a mountain. I mean, it sounds crazy, but not really. That's how we're all sitting here tonight is because our ancestors going back through eons got here by drinking spring water from mountains. Uh, they didn't drink out of the ocean or polluted creeks and rivers, Right. So uh, spring water, and something you can do for that is you can, uh, if you live in Southern California, there's a company that I use when I don't go get my own water. It's called LiveSpringWater.com. And I think at the foundation of health, getting actual, real, living, vibrant water that has not been processed and filtered in any way because it doesn't need to be. Nature's already done that. Getting that water into your body means that your physical vessel is now 70 to 90% crystalline, pure water from nature, created by God. God decided that water is ripe. It's come to fruition. It's ready to push to the surface of the Earth's crust. And it's there for us, plants and animals, to enjoy. Any other water is substandard water. That said, everything that I do in health on the physical plane is all done on a spectrum. So there's like the ultimate chronic platinum-level water. And then there's all the way down at the bottom of the scale, which would maybe be like tap water in Bangkok or something, right? <laughs> you know, river water in Bangkok, even worse. I've seen that. It looks gnarly. Or drinking from the Ganges maybe, right? After the bodies have floated through. Or at least the Ganges has an intention behind it. It's probably better. So uh, water, number one thing. And, and definitely, I, w- I don't believe in really drinking filtered water. I'm just not into drinking tap water in any form. I don't care if it went through a little piece of carbon this big. I like spring water because it went through... Eight to 10,000 feet above sea level of carbon. That's how big the filter is in spring water. Eight to 10,000 feet of earth matter, rock, et cetera, right? So imagine a Brita filter, it's 10 inches versus 10,000 foot mountain. That's how much filtration you get. But I do believe in filtration for your home water, especially if you have babies or kids and you're bathing them. Like, please, for the love of God, don't feel guilty if you have kids and you haven't done this or don't. Now is a good time to perhaps consider starting. But to filter the water in your home, if you own a house, you can get a whole house filter, invest in it, it's a lot of money, whatever, get over it. I always say chemo is way more expensive. So is dialysis. (laughs) Many other interventions that'll probably come later if you drink and bathe in tap water. Not to manifest disease in your life, but I'm just saying. So you can get a whole house filter. If you live in an apartment like I do, you can get a high-quality shower filter. Uh, There's a place in... uh, Laguna, called Pristine Hydro. They make $160, really, really good shower filter. And then they have these little corny bath filter balls that are like, Neh. They get a little of the chlorine. I don't think they're that great. But better than nothing if you're going to take a bath. But uh, I highly recommend that you really like dial into cleaning up water. If you just Google Luke Story Water, you'll find hours and hours of podcasts I've done on the topic if, you're, if your curiosity is peaked and you want to dig a little deeper. Uh, The next one, again, going back to the elements in nature, would be light. It's crucial to get sunlight in your eyes and on your skin without contacts, without sunglasses, without glasses, without being inside a car with glass windows, without being inside an office building or a home with glass windows. Getting raw, unfiltered light into your eye. Not staring into the sun, right, in an unsafe way. I'm just saying bright daylight into your eyes and onto your skin. Uh, as often as possible without burning. If you have darker skin, you need way more naked sun time than someone who's fair skin because you have different photoreceptions kind of going on in your, uh, in your pigmentation, right? So the worst thing you can ever be is a very dark skinned person and move somewhere like a Nordic country where there's no uh, sun. And this is proven by the amount of uh, hypertension that exists in dark skinned people in northern latitudes. And eventually that does lead to statins, which leads to kidney failure, which leads to dialysis. It all comes from a lack of sun. So sun safely, sun often, and get it on as much of your naked body as possible. I mean, my poor neighbors over the years, God knows what they've seen. But I'm an avid nude sunbather, not because I'm an exhibitionist, but because God designed this body head to toe with photoreceptors from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, literally. Your entire skin system is made to take in the nourishment of light. And sunlight is the most powerful vitamin in the world. That's why the ancient peoples that we think were so primitive and didn't know anything all worshipped the sun. It's not because they were stupid and couldn't conceptualize a more etheric higher power. They worshipped the sun because they know the sun is the giver of all life. Right? So I'm a sun worshiper, and I think it's very viable. It's now been scientifically validated that we should, in fact, be worshiping the sun. However, safely. Too much sun is damaging because of the oxidative stress. So feel it out. Work your way up to the sun. More on the light spectrum. Something I'm a huge fan of is red light therapy. Just recorded a podcast about that today that I was talking about. They might have some here in the near future. There's talks about that. Um, You can get home units that give you red light therapy, It's very powerful for a number of different things, uh, regulating hormones and actually increasing your testosterone, which is great for men but also great for women. Uh, The red light therapy essentially takes a very narrow spectrum of light that exists in natural sunlight early in the morning and late at night, segregating that spectrum of light that has so many health benefits and amplifying the delivery of it to your entire body. So essentially, again, you're standing naked in front of a red light uh, device, couple times a day for 10 minutes if you can, and the health benefits are innumerable and powerful, quantifiable, and absolutely verified by scientific data out the yin-yang. Another element of life that is worth discussing, is it dark already outside? God damn it. I didn't realize it was dark. Right on cue. Ah, there we go. (laughs) So when it gets dark outside... I've been habituated for a number of years now. It gets dark inside, too. So anytime I'm in indoor lighting like this and it's gotten dark outside, that's an indication to me that I need to trick my brain, my my eyes, my optic nerve, that it's also nighttime in here. Because when you go like that, those lights, and God bless you guys, I mean, you have to use some lighting, right? Those lights, within a millisecond, tell your brain that it's noon right now. So imagine you're in here working, working out, doing your thing at midnight. You know how confusing that is to your biology? Your brain thinks it's midnight when it's noon. You think you're not going to have health problems as a result of that? Your circadian rhythm is what regulates your hormones, regulates your neurotransmitters, regulates so many different systems in your body. So now many of us are learning about the dangers of blue light, and I use the word dangers because that's exactly what it is. Artificial lighting or non-native lighting, such as the lighting above us now, is very dangerous uh, for a number of reasons. A, the one that I just mentioned, because it's not in chronological order, uh, according to our biological time clock, right? So our circadian rhythm gets jacked up, as I just described. But there's another issue with it, which I went into heavily today in the recording I did, and that is that spectrum of light right there, which is inherent of most LED lighting that's very cool, meaning the color temperature has more white and blue than it does any amber, orange, violet, red, et cetera. That particular narrow spectrum right there, which is probably like five or 6,000 kelvins, doesn't exist in nature isolated on its own there's blue light inherent in outdoor light created by the sun but it's never in a spectrum this narrow when you see blue light outside it's not that narrow it's this wide and it has a lot of other colors like every color in the rainbow the rainbow are all spectrums of light that's why you see a rainbow when there's a certain precipitation in the air it creates a rainbow because that's Um, Actually, a projection of all of the photons that the sun creates in that spectrum, right? Geeky stuff. Bottom line is, blue light bad at night. Blue light that's very narrow and very bright white like that is bad for you all the time. So you can get some glasses like this. You know, a little bit of a habit that you have to build. But again, if I was aware that there were windows there I, I would have just instantly like I just switch glasses when it gets dark it's no big deal I just automatically just I do it without even thinking about it in my home I have a whole set of lighting for nighttime just all amber lights search on Amazon amber incandescent bulbs outfit your whole house with those bulbs on one set of lighting then have another set of lighting that's bright light when you actually need to see you know up until dusk or whatever It's a really easy intervention. And then there's software you can get on your computer and adjustments you can make to your phone so that you never have that spectrum of light on your device. And I've been filtering the light on my Apple products for maybe three years now. When I walk by someone with their laptop on without the filters on it, I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? I mean, people sit, and you guys are those people, with your phone on that bright blue light at night and then you're like, I don't know why I can't sleep, dude. When this light hits, so just looking at that light right now, immediately produces cortisol, which is the stress hormone that keeps you awake. Cortisol is great, but it's not great at 1 a.m. That produces cortisol. Looking at that right now, it shuts down my melatonin production for up to four hours after this second. So that's why once I commit to putting on my damn glasses, someone's like, hey, let me check those out. I'm like, No. I'm not taking them off. And if I do, I'll go like that. I'm like, all right, try them out. Tell me when you're done. Hand them back to me. I put them on like that. <laughs> are those, amber, those are amber glasses? Yeah, these are specific uh, frequency blocking. I get them from a company called Raw Optics. Um, you can go to my website, lukestory.com forward slash store or just search on there for store. And all the stuff that I use, I don't sell it, but I just put links to everything I use because so many people ask, what do they call? Where do I get them? I'm just like, After two years, I was like, I'm just going to put it all on my site to make it easy for people to find, you know. But there's a number of companies that sell glasses. These are prescription glasses. So they're the same prescription as those clear ones. And there's Raw Optics will make you custom prescription glasses. Otherwise, there's just regular ones that are just manufactured that um, aren't prescription that just block the blue light, right? But even during the day, if you work in an office building or you know a medical building, legal building, anything like that, and you're under this kind of lighting, it's, it's, not, it's, just, it's also just really bad for your eyes, by the way, again, because it's non-native. When your eye sees that, your brain goes, what is that? It just doesn't exist on the planet. It's an alien light source. So even indoors, you want to wear blue blocking glasses, not this hardcore like these you know, orange ones, but there's ones that block... Fewer frequencies, so they don't look blue, they don't look orange, but they still block some of the blue. You get what I'm saying? You go on Tom, ladies, if you're into fashion, you go on TomFord.com, Tom Ford makes blue blockers now. It's amazing. Not for men, but, I mean, you can get stylish, like, just glasses that'll just look like reading glasses or even sunglasses, and they block the blue. So, that's water, that's light, and then, uh, so much for five minutes, but... (laughs) It's important stuff because the physical part, you got to have that. If you're irritable and, you know, your hormones are jacked up, your neurotransmitters are jacked up, you're drinking sludge water out of L.A. tap that was in someone's butt before, literally, that's where your tap water comes from, thousands upon thousands of people's butts, to be honest, you're going to have a problem meditating. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be thinking about, wait, there's butt water in my what? No. Yeah, it's true. Our water's recycled. So when you flush the toilet, eventually that's coming back out of your kitchen sink. Welcome to L.A. municipal water. Yeah, crazy. So needless to say, I don't drink tap water. I had an espresso tonight, and I was like, mind over matter, Luke. It's butt water. It's okay. At least there's coffee in it. (laughs) That's the thing with the health stuff. I'm very extreme, and I'm super hardcore, but I also just understand I'm going to die anyway eventually. So... It's like the fine line between being paranoid and too controlling, being neurotic about everything you eat and everything you do, and like living in fear, I believe is worse for you physically than just having an awareness, doing your best, trying to build positive habits, and, and making you know decisions that are good for your physical body. But uh, being too neurotic about it is, I don't think, is healthy personally, because I've gone down that route. And, Ended up like boy in the bubble, tinfoil hat, crazy man. So uh, I wouldn't recommend that either. But it is good to be aware. Then sometimes you're like, oh, I'll just have a glass of tap water. And you're like, no, that's been in butts. Never mind. And you spring for the Fiji or whatever, you know. The awareness helps a lot. So uh, light, water. And then um, the last thing I'll say, and I will just make this brief, is I'm sure some of you are aware of the issues with EMFs, electromagnetic fields. And this is something that has come out of the obscurity of tinfoil hat people, super health freaks, into more of a verifiable and well-understood risk and dangers to the populace at large. And what I mean by electromagnetic frequencies are three things. So three issues. First one would be an electrical field. So all inside this wall, when you see an outlet there, if you take off this drywall... There's going to be wires all inside the walls. They're going up here. You can see some of them. Yeah, there's one right there. There's a wire going into that light. That goes down into the wall. This whole building is just all full of these wires, right? And you're thinking and there's probably some under the floor, you know, in many cases, especially if you're on a floor where there's floors beneath you because then their lights are right below you, right? And just like, yeah, lights, whatever. i got to have light. What's the problem? You can't see it. And that's why it gets tinfoil hatty because they're invisible. But they get you. They're after you. They hurt you. It's dangerous. It's really weird. If you take an EMF meter in here and you look at that outlet, you get about this close, about six feet, and it'll be like... It gets worse and worse the closer you get. So all throughout every structure that we're in, unless you've had a building that's been built by what you call a building biologist someone who's built a structure specifically to protect you from EMFs, which no one does unless you have it you know, done for you at quite a great cost, uh, we're being inundated with electric fields. So even that light there is probably zapping us sitting right here. There's probably an electrical field that's harming your brain sitting underneath that. Not to make you paranoid. It's just... You got your EMF the good. So it's just, it's just the way it is. Um, it's, do I want to live in a cave with no light and have to light a fire every night to see? No, it's very smoky. I don't want to do that. So I like the light. Uh, I like the electricity. It's all good. But you have to be aware of proximity. That's the most important thing. So if you have a bed with a headboard that's against an outlet right there, you're not doing yourself any favors. Trust me. I sleep like halfway down my bed like a crazy person in the middle, so I'm far away from the wall as an immediate intervention. Then the next field that we, it's even worse, the worst one of all, would be the, uh, the radio frequencies. And this is your cell phone, cell towers nearby, uh, Wi-Fi routers, smart meters. Now they have these goddamn smart street lights they put in. They call them smart to kind of fool you. It's a conspiracy. They're like giant Wi-Fi transmitters and they communicate with all the other lights. They have them in the UK. That's where they first deployed this horrendous, cancer-causing epidemic. So the radio frequencies, the issue with those is they're radiation. They're ionizing radiation. So it's like getting an x-ray, right? You kind of know when you get an x-ray, they put on that lead vest, and they step out of the room. That's nothing. Talk on your cell phone for a while with it up to against your head. You're having a radiation exposure probably a thousand times more than getting a dental x-ray, you know? So it's the ionizing radiation that we're subjected to, uh, which is also bad. Now, I'm going to give you the bad news and then some quick solutions, okay? Then the next one is magnetic fields. Magnetic fields are generated by uh, typically machines that have engines and motors like refrigerators. So anything that goes, uh, an AC unit outside of your bedroom will create a massive magnetic field. So, again, if you're sleeping here, you got your Wi-Fi router here, you got your AC unit right on the other side, you've got a smart meter right on the other side, Uh, Your cell phone's plugged in right here. All of your walls are wired. You are quite literally being fried every night when your body is supposed to be regenerating and detoxing. Your body's freaking out, just trying to survive on a cellular level, okay? So those are the three villains. Now, what do you do about it? This is where it gets crazy. First intervention I recommend, this is what I've been using lately, uh, is something called a blue shield. It's a device that would take a long time to explain, but it's... Three or four hundred bucks, you plug it in in your house and it covers your whole house and basically creates a field that your body aligns to and harmonizes to. You sort of tune your body to this frequency, which renders you almost invisible to the other frequencies. It's quite amazing. In fact, I have one in my pocket right here that's generating a field of a six foot radius around me. And this has been the most effective um, mitigation tool that I've found that you can just buy and plug in. that's the first line of defense. I have one in my car that plugs into the car lighter, too, because your car is a complete EMF disaster, especially if you have an electric car. What's like Everyone's that? like, I have a Tesla. I'm like, I'm not getting in your Tesla. It's crazy. Uh, it's called a Blue Shield. Blue Shield. Oh, Blue Shield. Yeah, it's again, I, I have them on my site. Again, I don't sell them, but I link to it all. Uh, the pocket little thing, I think, is 100 bucks or something, and they're a couple hundred for the home units. They have different sizes. They have some that'll do a whole office building, I mean, they really have a wide range of effect. They're very cool. Uh, What I like about the Blue Shield is they do animal studies. They don't hurt the animals, don't worry. A PETA activist was about to ax me. No, they don't hurt the animals. uh, But they they put them on farms, and then they study the animals before and after. And their birth rates go up, the chicken's eggs get bigger, the chickens stop fighting, the cow's milk has more fat in it. It's fantastic. So that meaning they'll take farms with their cell towers right next to the farm and stuff like that. They'll put these devices in there and then they do studies on the animals. Why that's meaningful is it's impossible to have placebo effect from animals because the cow doesn't know that you put it there, right? So that's one mitigation. Now, the the best thing you could ever do is to turn your whole house or at least your bedroom into a Faraday cage. That's a protected, shielded zone that brings you back to 1700 living in the tundra. The middle of the woods. Literally, that's the environment that you can create. Probably for a bedroom, you're going to spend about five grand to have a specialist come in with the meters, tell you what's wrong with everything, buy all the shielding paint. They paint the walls with a special paint that doesn't let fields in and out. You get special fabric for your curtains. It blocks any radiation, any craziness coming in from the outside. Uh, Then there's something you put on the floor, a mesh that covers anything underneath the building or in a unit below you, and you turn your room into a safe space, almost like um, a safe room, right? And you'll walk in your bedroom and your phone will be dead. Like that's, it's crazy, yeah. And when you go inside a space like that, I've been in a small one, in a little tent, and you walk in, you sit down, and you're like, oh, my phone's dead. Awesome. No signal. That's great. That feels good. (laughs) you want to like put on airplanes so it's not trying to find a signal and you know you're you're kind of trapped in there with that signal which is not good but anyway to illustrate the point that's how dead it is but you sit down for a minute and you're like oh my god it's so still there's probably very few places on the planet right now where you can go and there's no magnetic field no radio waves no electrical fields hitting your body your body's always fighting against these fields like all of our bodies are right now so That's the most hardcore intervention. Not that great to do if you're a renter. It's like, why do you want to invest in your landlord's property, probably? Uh, So what I'm going to do this fall, in a couple months, with the guy Brian Hoyer that I interviewed a couple weeks ago on my show, or came out a couple weeks ago, is I'm going to turn my bed, which happens to be a four-post bed. Like, it has the, not four-post, what do you call it? It has a frame, like a top, too. Not just the four-post, but four thingies, you know? Canopy bed. Thank you. God damn I, can, I always call it a four-post bed. It's not. That sounds so girly. It's a canopy bed, bro. It's not Yeah. But I'm picturing like those little, you know, like white little like, uh, you know, like a dollhouse kind of bed or something. No. So have a canopy bed. What I'm going to do is turn my bed into a Faraday cage. It's very simple. You measure the bed. You buy the special fabric. You have it sewn so it fits over your bed. You put a uh, this mesh underneath the bed, which blocks anything coming from under, so the whole square of your bed is now sealed in a cube. So now you can still watch television in that cube, right? Well, you wouldn't be able to. S- <laughs> the television's over there, and you're in the well, cube. Well, right? you'd have to pull back the the curtains to watch TV. Then when you go to bed, you would just cl- yes, enclose yourself. Well, they're sheer. They're sheer. No, I'm trying to work with you. I appreciate your I know, concern. It it? Yeah. I mean, it's so television, it's the idea—the idea is that you know it's funny. I have a TV on the wall in my room just because I love oh, hotels. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, but I, it doesn't even—it's not even plugged into anything. It's just like a fake TV. It looks to make my room look like a hotel. No. <laughs> Yeah. What? Maybe three times I plugged a laptop into it because my last girlfriend liked to watch TV in bed and I was like, oh yeah, this is weird. <coughs> Why she got rid of me, maybe. She's like, you don't have a TV, weirdo. <coughs> so uh anyway, that's my next strategy is make the bed a Faraday cage and then and you're good. I mean, at least while you sleep then. You know, the rest of the time we're in here, whatever. I'm gonna have a good time, I'm not gonna trip on the fields getting me, whatever. But at least while sleeping, you at least have that time of refuge and allow your body a break. Those are the three, and then, and then I'll answer your question. So it's the water, your lighting, and doing something about the EMF. I think if, on a physical level, if you cover those, all the supplements, all the stuff, it's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just go for the big guns. Go for the stuff that really moves the needle, the stuff that has a huge impact on your health, then do all the functional medicine testing, the fine-tuning and all that, but I find most people that I've worked with friends, clients, etc, once they get those things down, a lot of their health issues start to disappear miraculously without other more serious or expensive interventions. So there you go. Question. Um, actually, I'm going to challenge you.: Yeah. So please. So I love we're challenges. On OCD? Yeah. because we are literally bombarded. So I would say on a mind level, if you can create evolutionary biology through the mind to be not affected by EMFs, that would be the goal. Because otherwise... I believe that. We're going to be in little cages to everything else. This is our reality. So we either evolve or die. So with the surrendering and with the mind create the body that is resistant to all the EMFs. I believe that's possible. I believe that's possible and that's what I was saying that there's there's a fine line between having you know a a degree of awareness like okay it exists but am I going to walk around being paranoid about it? I have experienced what you're talking about on the converse on the negative side with chemtrails geoengineering. In the 90s when I first started seeing that which I knew it was a thing because I was born in 70 and that never existed even though planes did another conversation but I looked up in the sky and I was like, what, what's, what are all these things? This tic-tac-toe shit. Started researching and I was like, oh, it's this nefarious secret program that, that the government doesn't admit exists when I can see with my own two eyes. I'm not an idiot. I know what planes do. Uh, and so I found out about that. And then I'm driving around every day for like two years like Ray Liotta in Goodfellas. Like, they're, <laughs> you know, I was like, I was so paranoid. I started to get neurotic. And then I had to realize like fucking surrender. There's, that's, surrender. What can I do? Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere. Even in other countries, every NATO country has them. Weirdly enough, um, so I could move to a non-NATO country, I'd have to find a wife and immigrate there somehow. But it gets complicated, right? <laughs> so eventually, I just said, "All right, there's chemtrails. Like, well, I'm going to die. Okay, cool. Come get me. Let's World go." Evolve, survival of the fittest, and we can yeah. create our minds to, with the power of the mind, create that evolution with that intention. Just yeah. No, I appreciate that, and it's, I believe that that's possible. I believe in the power of the mind because the power of suggestion and the power of placebo. So it's like, let's say you adamantly don't believe EMFs are a real thing. If you adamantly disbelieve that with a high degree of dedication, it's quite possible that you could become, if not completely immune, Partially immune versus the person next to you who's like, "Oh my God, it's hurting me! It's hurting me! It's hurting me!" And we could create the epigenetics to create yeah. the next line of people who are no longer. Yeah, these are like the surge the, the surgery free hospitals where all the doctors get around and prey on someone's tumor and they watch it under an X ray disappear. What is that? You know, that's what you're talking about. So yeah, I, I agree, and thank you for adding that. In the meantime, I'm still going to throw all this shit in my bedroom (laughs) while I work on the mine. I mean, I'll work on it, but just a little added security. All right, you guys, let's wrap it up. Thanks again, you guys, for uh, joining me here tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been really super fun hanging out with you guys. Thank you for your kind attention. Well, hot damn wham bam thank you man we just made it through episode number 170 of the lifestylist podcast man these things are just flying we're going to be up to 200 before i know it hey listen as a reminder if you enjoyed this show right now reach down and copy the link text it or email to two or three of your friends just boom do it right now great way to help me get to my 2018 goal of two million downloads i'm super close we can do it but only with your help Thank you so much for joining me on my birthday today on this special episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd also like to remind you to get over to lukestory.com forward slash store. A lot of people don't realize, but I've been working really hard to curate the most badass health-related web store in the world for the past two years or so. So anytime I find something that's useful, whether it be a new supplement, herb, vitamin, biohacking technology, alternative healing or health gadget device, anything I find that works, I put at the store, in the store at lukestory.com forward slash store. What's rad about that is that I offer, uh, I'm able to offer discounts on almost everything in there through the brands that I have relationships with. So I don't ship you anything. I don't sell anything. Probably figured that out if you've been at the store. If you click on something, you're just going to link out to their you know, the company's website. So it's pretty cool. It's more just kind of like a resource or a guide so that you don't have to do the research, but it's a great way to save yourself time and money. It's a great way to support the brands that are doing it right. Cause trust me, if they're on my website, they're badass. and they're doing it right. Otherwise they're not on there. I don't like, it's not about quantity for me. It's about quality on there. So I only have the best of the best. And then if it's a brand that I happen to have an affiliate relationship with, which most of them, I think at this point I do, uh, then I'll get a small commission for purchases made using the links on my store. See how that works? So it's kind of my store because I get a cut as if I'm, you know, I work at the shoe store and you come in and I sell you some shoes and I get my 10% or whatever, right? It's that kind of deal. I guess at a shoe store, you'd make 2%. I I used to work retail. I think I made 2% commission. (laughs) It was an expensive store, so I did okay. Anyway, I digress. Get over to LukeStory.com forward slash store. You can find all your best health products over there and support your own health, well-being, and that of your family, and also the podcast itself. Speaking of support, you guys, if you live in LA or you're going to visit LA, you've got to get over to Tonic Wellness Boutique up on Beverly. It's kind of halfway between the Grove and the Beverly Center. So it's very central to just about everywhere where you could stay or live in Los Angeles. And it's a really high-tech, high-class, beautiful space with cryotherapy, infrared saunas. They've got something called cryoskin, which literally like freezes fat off your body, but it works way better than that freeze the fat technique, which is kind of dangerous and old school and is just whack. Um, They've got a a lot of really cool stuff over there and uh, a lot of different beauty treatments and things like that that I haven't personally explored because having a beautiful face is not my number one priority, although I'm not mad at that. (laughs) So maybe I'll get over there and check some of that out too, but it's just a very cool spot. So that's Tonic Wellness Boutique. You can go to tonicboutique.com to learn more about the latest and greatest biohacking tech over there. Uh, very cool spot. So I wanted to make sure to give them another shout out. And then next week's episode. Oh, wait, no. Tomorrow. Not even next week. Damn. That's right. Because this is a special Monday show. Tomorrow's show is uh, Relationship Mastery with Melissa Ambrosini and Nick Rogers. Make sure to check that out. And then next Tuesday, number 172, Sleep or Die, a show all about optimizing and tracking your sleep with my buddy Harpreet from Aura Ring. So make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss any of these bad boys. And then lastly, if you want to come hang out with me in December, I'll be at Neil Strauss's uh, Society Intensive, the Biohacking Intensive, December 14th through 16th in LA. I'm going to come to any event that I'm going to be presenting at. uh, You can just go to lukestory.com forward slash events. So there you go, ladies and gents. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on this special episode. I really, very, truly appreciate the support. And thank you for creating the space for me to uh, explore my own growth as a human being and sharing the ride with me. It means so much to me. And don't forget to share the show with a couple friends. Uh, it's a great way to just give me a little good energy back. And I think that's it. I'll uh, be right back at you tomorrow and then back at you again next Tuesday with the Lifestylist Podcast. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.